Today's going to be a little bit different, y'all. Um, this is not going to be so much of a sermon. You may get a little bit of sermon in here, maybe about 10%, but uh, the vast majority, no, about 90% of it, I just, I just want to talk to you guys. I want to talk to you guys as, as a church. I want to talk to you guys as, as members of Bemis United Methodist Church. I think most everybody in here that I can see anyway is either a member or a regular attender, so I don't have to worry about any, any visitors being here um, and them not understanding the message. But I want to talk to you guys about, a ch about us as a church, and I want to talk to you really more specifically about a vision for our church. I want to talk to you a little bit about where Bemis has been, <clears throat> where Bemis is now, and, and where hopefully where Bemis is going in the future. Y'all can see this little slide up here. Um, I'm currently involved in a, uh, in a training session with several other pastors and several other churches in our, in our conference. And uh, this, this training is going on for the next several months. And what we do, we, we get together in person from time to time or we'll join each other for Zoom meetings from time to time. We do book studies and, and other conversations. But uh, <clears throat> the main purpose of, of, of this training that I'm going through, and the name of, the name of it, as you can see on the slide, is Reset. Um, but some of the focus of this training is the idea of church revitalization. But really, more importantly, it's about exploring how we go about revitalizing our churches through a targeted effort to live out the main mission of the church. You've heard me talk a lot about mission this morning already in my prayer. How do we revitalize the church through a targeted focus on our main mission to live out what the Christ has given us as our primary mission? And I've talked to you guys about what our primary mission is on a number of occasions since I've been here, Jesus Christ himself tells us what our primary mission is. It's the last words of Jesus that you find in the Gospel of Matthew, where he's about to ascend up into heaven, and he gives his disciples their marching orders, so to speak. <clears throat> and he also gives us our marching orders. This is our purpose. This is our mission. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey, to obey all that I have commanded you. Being and making disciples is our mission, church. As a matter of fact, it is our only mission. Everything else that we do is just extra stuff. The reason that we are here is to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the mission statement of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. <clears throat> you know, it's no, it's, no, it's no secret that uh, the church in the United States is and has been on the decline <laughs> for a number of years, decades even. That's no secret. That's no great revelation. Every, every one of us in here knows that. This trajectory has been going on. This downward trajectory has been going on across denominational lines and non-denominational lines. Again, again for decades. And, and, you know, we could spend all afternoon, we spend all morning trying to figure out and, and naming all the reasons that this has happened and all the reasons this, this uh, is happening. Uh, 
people are leaving church that have been in them for a while, and, and people who are people are, are are not coming to church who have never been. They have no interest in it whatsoever. You know, all of us want to see our churches thriving. All of us who who regularly participate in uh, in, in and I'm not just talking about Bevis and that now. I'm talking about churches across the board. All of us want to see our churches thriving. Uh, but this trend, this downward trend over the decades, let's just be honest, it presents a major problem for us. There's another thing that presents a major problem for us, and that is recovering from the pandemic. We're going into, what, year three or so now, and we are still reaping the efforts or reaping the consequences of what happened and what is continuing to happen. We've lost people in our churches. I don't, again, I don't just mean Bemis at times. This is across the board. We've lost people in our churches, many of whom used to be greatly involved in our churches, and they have not returned, and they show, and they show no signs of coming back. So we've got two, we're talking about church revitalization, we're talking about living out the mission, and we're facing two dilemmas that we're all aware of. Again, church is already diminishing for a number of reasons, and of course we're trying to recover from, from the pandemic. Understand what I'm talking to you about this morning, folks. First and foremost, understand that I'm not, and I've told you guys this from the beginning, I'm not talking about numbers. This does not have, not predominantly, anyway. This is predominantly not about numbers. We'd all like to see our sanctuary overflowing on Sunday mornings, but, but numbers cannot be our primary focus when we talk about mission and when we, when we talk about revitalization. Numbers come afterwards. Numbers come after and only after. Our motives and our attentions are geared towards something greater. What is that something greater? Well, that something greater is being and becoming a church that is grounded, that is absolutely laser-focused on carrying out the commission that Christ gave us, being and making disciples. And it's a two-part effort. Number one is we grow together as Christ followers inside the church. And number two is that we reach those outside of the church with the saving and the life-giving message of God, of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. For the remainder of 2022, 2023, my hope, my hope is that we will join this mission together. I hope that our hearts, if they're not already focused on that, they will become focused, and that this will be a communal and unified effort to live out the mission of being and making disciples for the transformation of the world. You know, in order for us to uh, look to the future, sometimes we have to look to the past. <clears throat> and I want us to look at that for a few minutes. I want us to go back and look at the past of Bemis United Methodist Church for a few minutes before we move forward into the now and into the future. Take a look at this scripture out of the book of Psalms. It's one, it's one verse, and it comes out of the 42nd chapter of Psalms. It's verse 4. Try to feel the raw emotions of the psalmist, the, the writer, the author here. <clears throat> the, the author writes, My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. It's the word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> now, if you if you if you read that 
out of your pew Bibles, or perhaps you're reading out of, of a, a, a different translation this morning, you'll notice that the wording there is probably a little bit different. The, the version that I've got up here comes out of the New, the New Living Translation of the Bible, the NLT, and I specifically chose that translation this morning. I usually use the pew Bible version, NIV, but I specifically chose that one this morning because I think that it reveals, again, the raw emotion behind this scripture. I, I think that it really encompasses and in, in, inhibit, inhabits the feelings of the author here. You see, he was discouraged. The author of the psalm was discouraged because he was living in exile and he was unable to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, if you would read a little bit further, he goes on in subsequent verses to talk about really how, to just how distressed he is. And you can read the emotion, you can feel the emotions of this author as he talks about living in a state of great depression because he's unable to do this. He remembers this great time within his church and he is unable to do this at this time. He remembers being part of a vibrant church. He remembers being part of an awe-inspiring community. He describes the intense experience of worshiping God with crowds of people. People who were giving thanks, people who were praising God. He describes this as what? He describes it as a great celebration. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the electric atmosphere that that must have been for this man at this time in these communities? You know, do we experience that today in our churches? Do we experience this electric atmosphere, this electric culture, this awe-inspiring culture of worship and praise and service and mission? Go back to the first part of that verse, the second line. He says, I remember how it used to be. I remember how it used to be. I suspect that many of you here remember how it used to be. I suspect many of you here remember, whether it was at Bemis UMC or another church, in the atmosphere culture of that church was electric and people were on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ and people were on fire for seeking the good of other people. I know through my own research and I know through your stories that Bemis United Methodist Church at one time was what you might describe, what you would describe as a thriving community. And again, not just talking about numbers. Some of y'all remember that very, very well. You know, every year we have to, um, every year, every church in the United Methodist denomination has to report certain statistics to the denomination. Most of those statistics deal with finances and, uh, and demographics. <clears throat> and there's, there's a number of reasons that they do that. I don't, I don't even know all of them. You know, I'm sure they use them for various purposes. But one of the purposes that they use these statistics so that we can compile them and then we can go back and we can look on our trends or our trajectory over the years. And I want to show with, I want to show with you a couple um, a couple examples of this. And something that something that we that, that, that you guys can look at this too. It's, it's, it's from a website called Union Data, D-A-T-A, UNData.org. And y'all can y'all it's you you can find this, do a search for Bemis United Methodist, and you, you can look for it yourselves. And what I'm going to show you guys, I'm not trying <laughs> I'm not trying to depress anyone, I promise you. That's not, that's, not, that's not the intent of why we're doing this. These statistics 
paint a picture for us, though. And I think it makes it a lot more, uh, potentially a greater impact for you guys when you're able to get an actual visual of this. Lorelai, can you pull up that first slide? <clears throat> this, is, uh, this, show, this, this, this graph shows two things. Number one, it stretches from the years 2004 to the year 2020. The red portion up here represents church membership. As you can see, in 2004, the membership of our church was 340, 345 people. At its peak in 2007, our membership was 374. As of 2020, our membership is 140. That second graph represents average church attendance on a Sunday morning. As you can see, at our height in 2004, we were packing in 180 people in the sanctuary. As of 2020, we were averaging 38. Now, that, that represents the year, the main year that COVID hit us, so we'll give it that. Look at the year prior, 68. Right now, we're averaging about 40 to 45 or so. And you can see the consistent downward trajectory over the years. Other than a couple of bumps here and there, it's been consistently going downhill. Next slide, Orla. This graph represents the average attendance in Sunday school, and I couldn't believe it when I saw this one. When I saw this one. 2004, the average attendance in Sunday school was 95 people. 95 people. I can't imagine being part of that atmosphere today. And again, I'm not trying to discourage everybody, and, there, and there's a point to this beyond depressing you, okay? <laughs> and I'll get to it in a minute. But again, you see this same downward trajectory. Average of 95 people in 2004. Let's just say 2019, we're averaging 20. 2022, we're averaging about eight. <clears throat> so that's 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 where we are as a congregation, as far as our numbers go. So why did I show those to you? Again, it's not it's not for the purpose of depressing you guys. I, I assure you that. But these statistics do point a picture for us. For those of you who are here, I want you to look back. This is, this is about where we've been. For those of you who have been here for 20 plus years, or for those of you who have not been here for 20 plus years, maybe you don't remember this, but maybe, just maybe, you've been a part of some other church atmosphere that was thriving at one time. Whatever the circumstances, I want you guys to look back, and I want you all to think about those times when there were 180 people sitting in our pews on a Sunday morning. I want you to think back to those times when our Sunday school meetings were overflowing every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Again, if you haven't been at Bemis that long, maybe you can think back to another church that you were part of at one time that was thriving. What was that atmosphere like? This is where it's not about numbers. This is about the atmosphere. What was that atmosphere like? What was that culture like? I'm going to go out on a whim here, and I'm going to guess that, that culture was a culture that was on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to guess that that was a culture where God's mission for the church was 
evident in the presence of its people. I'm going to guess that the mission of God's church was being lived out through the lives of the congregants who were here at that time. I'm going to guess that people were being invited and were coming to church. I'm going to guess that people were caring for one another, left and right. That people were reaching out to our community through, through, through great evangelism and great outreach efforts. I'm going to guess that there was some incredible prayer going on at that time, and I'm going to guess that there were a lot of people who were packing into our Sunday school rooms who yearned to absorb the Word of God in their minds and their hearts. Y'all don't have to answer out loud, but you know, I'll ask, you know, am I right about that? Y'all were here, I wasn't. But I'm gonna guess I'm I'm gonna guess I'm right about that. Y'all, I'm not talking about nostalgia. Okay? I'm not talking about going back to the good old days, and I'm not talking about mourning what once was here. But we've lost that fire. We've lost that fire. I ain't getting on to anybody specific. I'm not even I'm not getting on to anybody. I'm just stating a fact. It, it ain't just us. But we have lost that fire and that purpose of mission. If we want to revitalize our church, we're going to have to reignite that fire. And we're going to have to reinvigorate that mission, that one and only mission that God, that Christ himself gave us. Recognize, reignite that fire within us that fire that you guys had back then that was the catalyst the catalyst that created those atmospheres and that created those cultures, that mission mindedness that I'm talking about so for the sake of not depressing anybody any further, Lorelai, you can take that one down <laughs> don't go to the next one yet though um, so that was where we were that's where we were, that's where we've been between you know 2004 and, and 2022 where are we now? This, this is where the good news starts coming in. Church, I feel, and this, and this is solely my opinion, I'm not, you know, I try to be the voice of God up here sometimes when I'm, when I'm uh, going through Scripture with you guys, but on this particular point, I'm not trying to be the voice of God. This is just strictly my opinion. <laughs> but I believe, you know, I, be, I believe with all my heart that right now we have a potential impact. We have the potential to make a major impact the kingdom of God, <clears throat> both inside and outside of our church. Many of you in this sanctuary this morning have gotten involved over the last year in community efforts. Many of you. And as you've been a part of that, you've seen and you've experienced the presence of God. You've seen and experienced firsthand what it's like to love and to serve other people. You've experienced what it's like to pray with strangers. And you've experienced what it's like to see other people change. A lot of you guys, guys I'm using guys synonymous, men and women. A lot of you guys have chosen over the last year to participate in the number of discipleship ministries that we, have, that we offer here at the church now. And you've seen change in yourself. You've seen change in yourself and you've seen change in your brothers and your sisters. Many of you Many of you have shared with me that you have a renewed desire to grow spiritually and to love and to serve your neighbor. These are the things, church, these are the very things as a church that puts us in a great position to 
make an impact for God's kingdom in the Bemis area and beyond the Bemis area. Don't misunderstand me here. I, I realize the scripture tells us that God gives the increase. And I'm not just talking again about numbers, although that certainly will be a part of it at some point, but the increase of our hearts. I realize that God gives us the increase, and God is the one who brings about revival. But church, we can put ourselves in a posture to receive that revival. We can put our hearts and our hands in a posture to receive that revival. Again, through refocusing, reinvigorating, reigniting our understanding in the way that we live out God's purpose and mission for the church. And I believe that's where our future rests. I believe our future rests on our heart's desires to do that, our heart's desires to embody and to live out our mission, to go and make disciples. This is where I hope we're going, church. And I hope this will be our vision and our purpose as we move forward in 2022, 2023. So where do we start? We've got a good start with that already. But I'm going to give you guys another starting place. Starting now and on into the coming, coming weeks coming days, coming weeks, coming months, perhaps even the coming years, I want you guys to focus your hearts and your minds on just one word when it comes to discovering how to and in guiding us how to live out our mission. One simple word can get us, we're already off the ground, but I believe it can get us a little bit further. What's that word, Lorelai? Four. Four. Church, we need to get into our minds, and perhaps even more so into the minds of people outside the church, some of us inside the church, that we are four people. And y'all have heard me slightly touch on this subject in some sermons I've preached, but I want to talk about it a little bit more in detail this morning. We need to realign, if they're not aligned there already, our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and from that knowledge we learn to live out that we are for people that we are not against people let me tell you what I've experienced in my lifetime and y'all can, y'all, can, y'all can debate me on this if you want to but we have done an exceptional job in the church over the years and over the decades of my lifetime letting everybody know what we're against Subsequently, that's how they know us. That's how they know the church. They know us by everything in the world that we are against. How in the world, church, let me ask you this seriously, how in the world did we ever expect to carry out the loving mission of Jesus Christ through such a negative message and through such a negative agenda? You want to know what happens when our message is put out there, when the, the, the loudest people most words, the most efforts we put out there are about everything that we're against, it makes people think that we're against them. And we're not. Remember what we've been talking about our narratives lately? It's time to change that narrative. It's time for us to create a new narrative in our society, in our culture, in our town, in our state, in our country. That we're not against people. Jesus is not against people. Jesus is for people. There's not a single person in the Bible that he wasn't for. We've got to change that message first and foremost. If 
we want to carry out mission, people got to know that we care about them. People got to know that we want to see them thrive. Don't y'all want to see people thrive? We're n- somebody nod the head. We want to see them thrive. We want to see them thrive spiritually. We want to see people thrive emotionally. We want to see people thrive even physically. We're supposed to serve the physical needs of people just as much as we're supposed to serve the, the spiritual needs. People have to know that we are for them. People have to know that Christ is for them. Folks, we've done a lot of harm by this. We've done a lot of harm by putting out this negative message about everything that we're against. And that's okay. I mean, we can be against some stuff. I'm not saying that. But that's been our primary message. And the consequences are devastating because people think that we're against them. I thought for years and years and years, better part of two decades, that the church was against us. I'm a great example of that because they were against everything else. Church, we got to be for people. That's the message. That's the narrative. That's what we live out through our mission. To be for people. We've got to undo the harm that has been caused by decades of delivering a negative message. People need to know that Christ is for them. People need to know that we are for them. That we want to see them thrive. Folks, we need to focus all of our energies and efforts inside the church, outside the church walls to show people that we're for them, not just through words. Notice I said the word show. Through our hands, through our actions, of course through our words. But we got to show people that we're for them. You know, I, I told you guys before, I've told a number of you that I, I, uh, I'm not really good at coming up with original ideas myself, but I am pretty good about taking other people's ideas and, uh, and running with them and, and having pretty good outcomes with them. This isn't my idea. Uh, this, this, whole, this whole campaign, if you will, of being for people. There was a church back in my hometown that, that, that took this on, and, and they just focused it on, that, on one simple word. <clears throat> they focused their mission on that one simple word and that one simple idea of being for people. And it exploded in the community. I mean, exploded. And they did it through, through preaching. They did it through their, through their discipleship programs, obviously. But they also did it through being out in the community, being seen in the community doing things with and for the community. I'm not, I'm not just, you know, the, the ideas they have and the ideas they continue to do just are, are, are great, and people notice that. And they are changing the narrative in that community. People are beginning to understand that the church is looking out for their best interest, that the church wants to be their greatest advocate, that the church wants to have their back, that the church wants to be on their side, that the church is for them. You know, I'd like for us to try this same idea here in Bemis. Next slide, Lorelai. This is, this is what I would like you guys to do. I'd like to carry out this idea, this action, in Bemis, in Valdosta, in Lowndes County, maybe even beyond, to reach as many people as we possibly can, for goodness sake. How can we show people this? How can we show people through our words, and again, most importantly, through our actions, that are for them, that Christ is for them, that the church is for them. My idea and my plan over the next weeks, months, however long it continues, everything has a season and comes to an end at some point, but my idea for the next several months anyway is to expand on this, to expand on this idea of being for people, of being for our community, and how we can live that out.
how can we con- how we can come together as a church, how we can come together as a unified church to carry out that mission to revitalize our churches by being for people. In the meantime, I want y'all just to think about that one word. I want y'all to rest all of your all of your discipleship efforts, all of your evangelism efforts, all your outreach efforts on that one word for I want you to use it in your prayer life God how can I be for somebody today what can I do to show somebody that I'm for them for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel how can I live that out How can I show in my home that I am for them? My family. How can I show in my workplace that I and the church and Christ are for them? How can I show somebody in the line at Walmart (laughs) that I'm for them? That I want to see them thrive. That I want to care about them because I do care about them because Christ cares about me. How can I be for the people around me? Repeat that word throughout the day. Four, as you run into people, as you go throughout your daily activities, whether you're working, whether you're at school, whether you're retired, whatever your situation is, when you're around people, let that word go around and around and around and around in your head. How can I show this person or these people that Christ is for them? How can I be through my actions and my words for this person right here, right now, in this moment? think what's going to happen, folks, if you'll do that, if you'll do this simple exercise, using that one word, for. I think what, what will happen if you do that, and if you start doing that consistently, if you start interjecting that into your prayer lives, and just into your mind, anytime you go somewhere, anytime you come into contact with somebody, for. I think if you do that, what you, what's going to happen is I think you're going to start to see that this one little world can change your entire outlook. This one little word can change your entire outlook on how you see people and how you understand the fact that the gospel, that Jesus, that God Almighty is for every single person that we come into contact with. I think it'll change your minds. I think it'll change your hearts. And I think that it will refresh your souls and give you a completely different, a complete and different total outlook about the world around you. How many of us have a positive outlook? Probably not many of us. We're for you. We're for you. Folks, if we want to talk about revitalization, you know, again, it doesn't, it doesn't start with numbers. We all, we all want numbers. Let me just repeat a couple things real quick and I'll be done. We all want numbers, but it doesn't start there. It starts with mission. It starts with having hearts. And I can't make anybody do that. The only person that can make that is God. God can... God can prompt you to do it, you can respond, or you cannot respond. But the only way we do this is through having a motivation to make and be disciples. Sold out, fervent love for God and for neighbor. That's where mission starts, that's where it is. Here's a good way to start carrying that out. In one simple word. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for, uh, for the example that you show us. 
God, we know that you're for people. We know, God, that, that you are the biggest advocate of every person that is and every person that ever has walked the face of the earth. Whether they choose you or not, you still pursue them. Help us, God, to remove our blinders. Help us, God, to stop being against people. Help us, God, to stop having this us versus them mentality. And help us, God, to see people as you see them. Ignite or reignite in our hearts a passion for the gospel. Reignite in our hearts a passion, God, to serve you, to live out your mission, to be your mission. For the glory of your kingdom, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.